Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, the Prognosticators podcast, the PLA podcast, the only Flyers podcast. And we're going old school today. It's just me, Russ, at Joy and Broad, and my dear friend, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter, at Philly. He has been covering not just the Philadelphia Flyers, but he's gotten to enjoy, for the first time in his life, getting to cover a playoff team known as the Philadelphia Phillies. Anthony, you look cheery. You look chipper. How are you today? Well, it's, first of all, it's not the first time I've covered the Phillies. It's the first time I've covered them in the playoffs. That's is, how I was leading that. Yes, yes. I, okay. I've not covered a playoff Phillies team. I have covered the Phillies many times in the past. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a joy. I mean, you know, to, to, to actually be around the team that matters and a team that, that – uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There really goes the negativity. Has. I hate these guys. They're so negative. Yeah, well, it's, it is what it is. I mean, um, you know, they, they just they just have been what they are. Um, and uh, you know, the, the Flyers I'm talking about. I mean, look, don't be wrong. They're three and one. It's a much better start, I think, than a lot of people expected. Um, but at the same time, you know, coming into it, you're like, okay, Eagles are six and zero. The Phillies are in the playoffs. Where do the Flyers fall on the relevancy scale right now? Yeah, doesn't matter if they shut out four teams, you know, eight to nothing to start the season and been utterly dominant on the relevancy scale. They'd still be very low. So the fact of the matter is, I mean, that's just the, the nature of where we are in the season. So the fact of the matter is, is that coming into it, it was like, okay, well, I, I'm happy to be covering a team that right now is relevant because the Flyers haven't been for so long. And that's not a knock on what they're doing right now. It's just a knock on where they have been previously. Um, but it's been it's been exciting. It's been fun to be down. I know you took the family down to the game. Uh, got to experience playoff baseball, Red October. Um, really, kind of just a, it's an awesome environment. Um, and I'll tell you what, I got a I got a message from somebody within the Flyers organization who said who was at Game Three um, against Atlanta and said, "This is absolutely incredible. What this is like." I've never – yes, I'm playing with a back injury. It's okay. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out here clicking off the bandits. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell me um, about your back injury. Go ahead. Uh, but uh, this is unbelievable what this is like down here. Um, I can't wait for it to get like this for the Flyers. And I said, you might be waiting a while, but, yes, it will be like this inside the Wells Fargo Center when you have 20,000 people wearing orange, waving towels, screaming their heads off. Um, there you go, Flyers waiting a while, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it could well be like that. It would well be like that. And I said, but I, but I said, enjoy it, feel it, experience it, and understand. Yes, this is what this city is is like when one of our teams is has has a chance to win a championship. It's a beautiful thing. But nevertheless, uh, here we are in here getting ready to talk about hockey. Unless you want to talk about eating breakfast, which I saw you doing. I saw you doing, which is rare. Yeah. So um, I have done a, a thing of late. I, I will say I'm very happy about this. We're going to get into the flyers. I promise. But like not that long ago, I was like, you know what? I, I need to like control 
things. Like, I got to get back in control. So I started going to a gym. I started like working with a personal trainer because I wow. felt myself like not to it. This is the, th I think a lot of people who listen to the show can relate to this. If you've transitioned from working like in an office or in a, in like a company facility and then moving and working from home, you're just not as uh, physically active as you might've been before. You don't think about like the, you know, popping in and saying hi to colleagues, the walking down to the cafeteria or whatever. And, I just kind of felt myself like not feeling physically good. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take control of this. Started doing intermittent fasting on and off the last few months, which does work, I think. But I have not let myself like have a real breakfast in a while, like go out and grab a breakfast burrito from Wawa. But today, for some reason, I was like, you know what? It might be all the subliminal messaging about like the Schwarberfest hoagie thing. But I'm like, I'm going to go get myself a breakfast burrito. And I'll tell you what, Aunt, it's a damn good breakfast burrito. All right, it's not quite a sheets one, but it, it was good. It was good. It was good enough. Sheets. And so there there we, go. Go. we just we just lost half the audience. So um, there was one thing that came up. And uh, again, we're going to talk about the flyers here in a second. If you're listening to podcasting, skip ahead like probably a minute. And if you're watching on YouTube, thanks for watching on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. You can scrub ahead, I guess, as well. Um, but one thing came up as I was eating breakfast that um, I don't think you and I are totally opposed on, but I think is worthwhile. And I think that the audience will have a uh, take on. They can shoot us messages on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I was eating this, this burrito and you said that you don't eat breakfast burritos. And you said that you don't like all of the parts of breakfast being wrapped into one thing. You like to eat them separately. Um, I'm sure there are people who agree with you. Um, I will tell you like a standard breakfast, meat, potatoes, eggs. I do like to keep them pretty separate. And then at the end or at some point I chop everything up and it all goes together. Um, are, are you that much of a, like, do, do we need to get you like a sectioned off plate? Like I use for my kids, like the little plastic plates. Like, do you need to have your little eggies over here and your taters over here? Like how separate do things need to be before they go into Anthony Sanfilippo? I used to be the kind of person who needed to, um, eat one item at a time. Before, like seriously, I would eat everything, like whatever I started with, I would have to finish that then move to item two and then move to item three, right? Or whatever the case might be. I've not, I'm not, I've, that's why I was when I was younger. I'm, I'm no longer like that. I can go back and forth, but I do like to eat things somewhat separately. Now, of course, there are times, I'm not going to sit here and make pretend that I never get like a bowl that has things mixed together, like a breakfast bowl that has the eggs and the potatoes and the bacon all mixed together. Of course I do, right? Um, but at the same time, if I'm eating something specific if i'm getting a you know eggs benedict for breakfast for example i'm not going to mix the potatoes in with it i'm not going to you know mix toast in with it i'm going to eat the eggs benedict mm -hmm. um i just find that breakfast sandwiches for the most part you're mixing too much at once i don't know it's just me and i i tend to avoid them i try to avoid the the breakfast. I'm not saying they're not. I mean, I've had them and they're fine. It's not saying that they, they're terrible. Um, just don't like to eat everything at once. I like to at least taste the different the different tastes along the way. That's all. Am I supposed to keep I, going? I just <laughs> no. I, I just wanted to put this up here real quick. I want to get a screen test. <laughs> Aunt San Philly says breakfast sandwiches are un-American. Oh, uh, you heard it here I... first. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, you saw it here first. Um, all right, that's the fact that you compared it to sheets 
breakfast. I, make, listen, make pretend like I'm Sheets not, has I'm not the best this. breakfast. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's a Sheets versus Wawa thing. Yeah. It's just a notion that you would pick of all places to get a breakfast sandwich. Burrito. Sheets would be breakfast, breakfast burrito. Bur- even more so. It is better. I promise you. Burrito. I know I mean, that you would pick Sheets over a restaurant even. I mean, like. Oh, no, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not over a restaurant. No, no, no. Whoa. Okay. I'm saying I would take a Sheets. Bre- and I will say this because I know a lot of people freak out. All right. I get it. Everybody's provincial. Everybody's territorial. Whatever. Sheets breakfast burrito has tater tots. And I can guarantee you that anytime you go into a Sheets, they have tater tots. When you go for a breakfast burrito, and I know that some people who hate Sheets are now nodding their heads. When you go into Wawa, it's like. One out of every four, one out of every five times you go in to try to add the hash brown onto the breakfast burrito, it's not available. Actually, one out of every five times it is available. Um, and because of that, I, you have to give the preference to Sheets at that point because they have the tater tots. They always have it. They have the fryer, which Wawa does not have. Um, but whatever. I got a breakfast burrito at Sheets two, three weeks ago um, that I was I was up north of the wall. I got to say, it was really nice. It was a nice uh, breakfast burrito. The coffee... Very underrated at Sheets as well. Um, but we do know. I, in my teaching days, I went to Wawa way too often, put on too many pounds. So maybe I hold that against Wawa a little bit. I don't know. Anyway, let's get into well, hockey. I know, I know, well, real quick, before we get to hockey, because I know that there's a breakfast place in Phoenixville that you love. Which one? Uh, I, I forget what it is. I just know that you Oh, no, you're talking about Anna Marie's and Royersford. Love that place. Oh, Royersford. Place. That's where, okay. yeah, yeah. There are Royersford. good places in Phoenixville. Your mom's place. I was there. I'm not saying your mom, not saying right. San Filippo's mom. There's a place called your mom's place. Really good stuff. I, you know, I should tell these people though they need to pay us though. If I'm going to, if I'm going to plug them on the show, <laughs> that's a really nice place. A lot of great places in Phoenixville to eat. A lot of good places to drink. A lot of places to, no, no, you but know. I'm saying like to go out and get, you said, you said, it's been so long since I went out and got breakfast. Yeah. Well, that was your, that was how this whole conversation started mm-hmm. when I caught you eating on camera mm-hmm. and you, you said that. And I was like, Oh, okay. So he must've gone to some restaurant and got, a, a, a you know breakfast wherever you got yeah, and it turns out that you went to you went to freaking wawa because I, well, I, I i dropped my kids off at the bus stop and then you and i were supposed to record at a certain time and something happened so we didn't get to record at a certain time and that's okay so i didn't get to like i didn't like go sit at, at a, a nice breakfast establishment there are some very nice ones and you know the next time i go i'll make sure that i i let you know uh maybe i'll maybe i'll one of these days i'll drive down we'll go to delco and we'll you know, we'll go to your favorite diner or something we can We'll do an episode from a diner. Okay, how's that sound? Sound good? Right, yeah, I mean, good. there's di- there's diners. You can, there's you can eat all your eggies first, then transition to your hashy browns, and then go to your breakfast. Your breakfast there's meats. Some, there's some privately owned pre- breakfast places that are really good down here. I don't know if you have, do you have a lot of those up there. What are privately few. owned? What's privately owned? So, in other words, okay, um, like a small you, business, like not a not a chain. Yeah, like a small. Yeah, that's business. what most of the things in my area are. Yeah, small, but but breakfast. Where they're, they're, they're breakfast primarily. I mean, they might have some yeah. lunch, like brunch yeah. stuff, but primarily breakfast. Yeah. Th- those are the kind of places. I mean, yeah, you go to a they're diner, good. of course, but yeah. But those a lot, are of, lot of good ones like, where yeah. I'm at. Yeah. A lot of good ones. Great ones. Fantastic. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about hockey. We are 11 okay. minutes into the show. We're finally going to talk about hockey. Uh, hold on. Let me, again, you know, vi- uh, visual cues, especially on the YouTube channel uh, as this, uh, this thing goes up, uh, probably important. Talking, I'm going to put in all caps here, and talking about hockey. And so we're 11 minutes in. And now I, I don't want people to think that we've now become Crossed Up a Phillies podcast where we only record when things go bad um, or go poorly. Okay. We 
our recording after the Flyers uh, sustained their first loss of the season, three to one. Uh, they're now three and one on the season. Um, things have been interesting. The discourse around the team has been interesting. The reaction uh, online by fans has been interesting. I wouldn't even say it's as polarized as I expected it to be um, because I, I'm pretty sure that most people understand what's happening with this team of late um, and, and the way that they've been winning these games. Uh, and even last night, they come within a goal. Now, granted, Travis Konechny, beautiful feed from Kevin Hayes uh, with like, what, 2.3 seconds left. I think it was 1.7 was left by the time it went in. But Hayes finds Konechny. They pull within a goal, obviously. A little too little too late. But the team doesn't give up. Tockett called it out, though, in the intermission report. Uh, I think it was the second intermission. He said something to the effect of, when you've got a 945 uh, save percentage, that is not sustainable over an 82-game season. And that a big reason that the Flyers have had the early season success they've had is because Carter Hart has played out of his mind. I, I think even there was a bad goal. Sandstrom gave up a really bad goal last time. It was the fourth goal. It was a bad one. Um, but, like, the goaltending's been good. Hart's been very good. When you look at this, right, uh, and, and we can get into, like, whether this is good or bad for the team short-term, long-term, but, like, they pick up three wins to start the season. Like, we talked about the first two with Bundy last week, but, like, from what you've seen so far, is this is it sustainable? Like, are the Flyers for real? Are are they the, the team that their record, you know, currently says they are? No, I mean, I don't think that they – I don't think it's sustainable. I think what is sustainable is – playing the style that they're playing where you know they play a harder game they're they're in games they're hanging around teams um you know they're not giving up they're they're they're, they're staying right there playing that way playing that style i think that's sustainable for sure um winning games winning three out of four and meeting your goalie to stand on on his head as the as the saying goes um, repeatedly is not sustainable because you can't you can't count on the goalie to do that right so th so there are there are levels to this do I think that they're going to win three out of four every four, every four games I don't do I think that Carter Hart is going to stop nine ninety four and a half percent of the shots and bases I don't does that mean I don't think the Flyers will be at least you know competitive and win a, win a few more games than maybe we thought that's possible. And Carter Hart could have a, a really good season. That's possible. So I think that there, I think that there are levels to it. Um, uh, you know, they they are playing a very Tortorella esque style. I mean, if they, mm -hmm. they've there is there has been an early season buy in. Even these last two games, I, what I was most impressed with is how they've not backed down against superior competition. Right, the Devils. Canucks, you can look at those teams and say, yeah, whatever. They could probably maybe on the Flyers level. But you go on the road really quickly and play Tampa and Florida, who are significantly better teams on paper um, and really probably on the ice than you are. And to hang in, win one, come from behind 2 nothing in both games, come from behind and beat Tampa, really play well enough to, to win the game outright, Come back and tie Florida, and yet you lose four to four to three because they, you know, they had a better third period. Okay, fine, that is what it is. But to be there in that game on a, on a back to back night, 
that's impressive. That really, that really is. I mean, you got to give them a lot of credit in that regard. I, I don't, like you said, I, I don't think that this is all sustainable. And I think as the schedule, when you look Saturday, play Nashville, who's, a, who's an, again, a team that could be closer to their level. But when you get into next week and, and things get really busy in the week after that, and you're back on the road again, and it's there's a lot of games coming up in a short period of time and a lot of good teams coming up, that's where I think it, 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 it takes a step backwards. Not necessarily in a bad way. I think it takes a step backwards in the, in the win-loss column. But I think that the team can still play good hockey and at least be somewhat entertaining to watch. That, I think, is, is a real possibility. Yeah. Um, hey, by the way, we just got this email. And I, it's probably worth bringing up here. Okay. The Flyers are doing dollar dogs on Sunday. <laughs> okay. Is so, that honor the Phillies? I don't know. Sunday, Flyers to open Wells Fargo Center early with discounted beers and dollar dogs. Doors for the East Food Hall and Bar will open at 2 p.m. and will serve $5 beers and $1 hot dogs until the full arena opens at 5.30. There you go. You know, listen, when the Flyers do something right, all right, when 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 the Flyers do something right and Spectacore does something right and dollar dogs are what is right, uh, I, I'm going to tout it. All right. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, all right. Let me let me now respond, I guess, to this this Tortorella thing, Tortorella's uh, system. The team is playing relentlessly. They are playing hard. They're playing for one another. It's clear they buy in. They buy into the coach or they're afraid of the coach. I don't really care. I think either way is fine. I don't give a shit if you're afraid of the guy in charge. Uh, listen, rule by fear, whatever. Live your best life. It's not politics. It's uh, it's it's sports, okay? So if if that's what gets you going, if that's what you needed, if you needed that kick in the ass as a player, by all means, if you're doing it because you want to prove yourself, you want to, you know, increase your, I don't know, trade stock, you are coming up on a contract in a year or so, and you want to put good film out, fine. I don't care what your motivation is. Um, the team is playing a, a way that I think, for the most part, people can be proud of, right? Which is the whole thing that Tortorella has talked about. It's the thing that he talked about all offseason. We want Philadelphia to feel like they can identify with the team. Hashtag fueled by Philly. Like the whole thing. And I think that to some extent it's working. I do come back to like the question of, you know, is it sustainable? And I, I would say, no, I, I agree with you. I don't think it is. They're playing above their ability right now. They're, 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 uh, what is it? Outboxing their weight class or whatever they're out, you know, whatever it is. Um, I'm going to stop trying to do analogies. Carter Hart playing really well is good to see because we talked about it last year. He had a, not a propensity for it earlier in his career, but there were times that like when things would start to go sideways, you would see Carter Hart um, kind of fade out earlier. You would see him kind of emotionally maybe check out earlier. You would see him get negative body language sooner. And it doesn't seem to be happening. It didn't happen last year. And, you know, obviously the results have been there, so he hasn't done it this year. But it would make sense, and I think you could agree with this, it would make sense if you're Carter Hart and you're facing the barrage of shots, especially early in games like he's been, to be like, guys, what the hell are we doing here? Like, somebody's got to generate something. Like, get the puck in, in the other end and, like, generate some offense. Like, give me a freaking break. So far, he looks really good. And I said this in the offseason, and so far it's proven to be true. The two things that stop you potentially from becoming – a bottom three, bottom five team in the league are the fear of John Tortorella and the play of Carter Hart. And through, you know, the games that Hart has played, didn't play last night, through the games he's played, games Tortorella has coached, 
those two things have gotten you results. I guess the question, Ant, uh, where do you think Carter Hart can ultimately end up? Like if we say that a 945 save percentage is not sustainable over an 82-game season, and we know that this team has the talent that it has, like what is a realistic expectation for people this year? Like is it a 920? Is it a 915? Is it all based on the volume of shots that he ends up facing? You know, do they just need to tighten it up in their D zone, block more shots, like stop more pucks from getting, you know, on net? Like, where do you think he ends up? Well, I think first, the first thing you have to look at, Russ, is how how many games is he going to start? Yeah. Um, I think that's the key, number one, because he's never played more than 45 games in a season. And I have a feeling he's going to be asked to play more than 45 games this year. Um, and I, I, I just get the sense that he's going to be, you know, in that 55 to 60 range for this team, um, at least. Um, and, and I think that that would be indicative ultimately of what we can expect from him because you can't look at a, you, you can't expect a, a goalie to have great numbers if they're playing so many games that have never played that many games. Of course, like ask a pitcher who's never thrown 200 innings to suddenly throw 225, right? I mean, it's, it, at some point, the arm's going to get a little tired and, and you're going to have a little bit of a drop-off. I think the same thing happens with goalies. You, you play them too much, they get a little, a little exhausted and maybe aren't as sharp as they need to be. Um, that being said, I think that he can have his best statistical season this year. Um, even if you go back and look at when, you know, the last time they made the playoffs um, with Hart, and they were one of the better teams in hockey um, during the, the pandemic season. Even that year, he was, you know, his goals, that was his best goals against average year at 242. But it wasn't his, I mean, it was his second best, third, second best save percentage here was 914. Well, it wasn't that great. I mean, 914 is good, just not great, right? Um, and so that's, that just goes to show you that you can't ex- anticipate 945, 943, whatever he is right now, um, for over a course of a full season. But can he be better than 914 or 917, which was his best in his rookie year? Yeah, I do. I do think you could get to 920, 922, somewhere in that range. I think that's legitimately possible. And and when you do that, you're now looking to be among, um, you know, the leaders in the, in the league. Um, I, I think that I think that when you when you go back and, and look at where um, you know certain goalies were, um, obviously he's not going to be, you know, Shosturkin like from last year. Shosturkin was was 935 um, yeah. last season and, and led the league, um, you know, uh, but, you know, to be in the nine, low 920s, you're talking top six, seven in the league at mm-hmm. that point. And I think that that's a real, a real possibility for him. So um, that's a, certainly a goal. It's something he should be looking at, something he should be, should be striving for. And if he does that, the Flyers are going to be, again, they'll be better than a lot of us expected. They'll be kind of sort of in that, you know, back end of the playoff race. Do they get there? Who knows? But um, um, that's that's what you're that's what you're looking at. And that's that's okay. That's a that's a good spot to be. 
They're going to be in purgatory is what you're saying. The, well, the biggest, mean, the, the biggest, the biggest fear is that you end up in purgatory. Yeah, um, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to end up in that spot. You're right. I mean, we've had this discussion 6,000 times, but yeah. the fact is, is that you got to look at your team mm-hmm. and what, and what that team is that gets you there. Yeah. And if it's an overachieving team, which this team, it would be an overachieving team. It's not like you look at this team on paper and go, oh, this is a, this is a purgatory team. If it, this would be an overachievement for this team to get to that level, then, then it doesn't, then it shouldn't bother you as much because then you're like, this team's got room for improvement on the roster. And so yeah. if you're there with this and this coach, imagine where you'd be with a better, with a better roster, right? This did happen with, with Tortorella and Columbus though, right? Like it happened at least one year that it was an overachieving team. It was a team that nobody expected anything out of and they actually did. Okay. I guess, you know, it, it all kind of comes back to like what your fundamental belief is about what the best path forward for the team is. And like, uh, on one hand, I totally agree with you. I get it. Like the idea of, Hey, if they overachieve, you know, be happy for them, proves that there's talent and all that. And then the flip side is okay. But if you're an overachieving team and you also don't know if it's sustainable, like you also don't know if it's going, you know, are they, are they playing above their ability this one season? Or is this like indicative of this is the way these guys are going to play for the next three to three, four years. If it's the latter, like if this team far exceeds expectations and this team, like say they end up being a a bubble playoff team because heart plays well, because the young guys are able to get in and and be healthy. And like we saw that um, uh, Tippett is, is out, uh, which is a bummer because somebody we were looking forward to seeing play, but like say frost takes a step, say Allison takes a step. Noah Cates takes a step, uh, you know, Konechny looks like he's back to, you know, pre-Vino form or at least, you know, that first year. Uh, if, if you look at it and you say, okay, all of these guys are capable of hitting this level that we didn't know they were going to be able to this early or to get back to the level in the case of a Konechny or even a Provorov, right? If we look at it and we say, all right, chances are this is sustainable for the next three to four years. I agree with you. Then you have no right to be upset, to be alarmed. To, to even if you're like me who sits back and says like I really think the best thing is like generational talent is there at number one put yourself in position no it's not a guarantee but like it's there you need a stud a stud is there available to you you don't have cap space a stud is there like that might be your your easiest way to kind of turn things around but if this team proves over the course of a season that they have this level that none of us saw then fine you know that's a-okay, as long as the young guys, and this is where I come back to, like, I think the young guys are the ones that kind of have to carry that load. Because if this team becomes a bubble playoff team because, like, Kevin Hayes and James Van Riemsdyk are, like, the guys leading the charge, that's not good. Because long-term, I mean, James Van Riemsdyk won't be here. Hayes, yes, you want there to be value because that's a really big contract. You want to get a return, you know, nice ROI there. But, like, the young guys have to be the one to kind of carry it. If Hart's the one who carries it, it's a great sign of what can happen. If Noah Cates takes that step, it's a great sign. Joel Farabee doesn't look like himself. I do think that he came back too early. That's a that's a whole other thing. But like, if those guys are able over the course of the season to prove they've got it, then awesome. I will go back on what I said in the offseason. I will eat crow. I will say like, you know, I'm a buffoon. I'm an asshat. Fine. But I don't know if it is yet. And, and I know that a lot of people are excited, and I'm not saying don't be excited. 
it's just that like I, I don't know where are we gonna be in 30 to 40 games you know, if the team's bad right if they kind of come back down to earth then I don't know let me ask you this Ant do you think that there's a chance that what we're seeing here is something that you and Bundy had kind of indicated early on that Tortorella's training camp maybe gets these guys better conditioned and the reason that they found success against some of the teams that they had is a combination of taking the flyers lightly and a combination of like teams just better conditioned. They were ready to go more so than some of the other teams they faced in the early going. Like, would you say there's truth to that? Like how much of a, a you know, what percentage do you think it could be the conditioning? Like, where do you fall? Well, yeah, I mean, I do. I, and I think that, you know, usually in a non Tortorella camp, teams are really start to hit their stride after you know, three to four weeks of the regular season, right? So, so yeah, I mean, we, we kind of felt that there was an opportunity for the Flyers to um, really kind of get off to a decent start or better than expected start over the first few weeks because of that. Um, I think it'll really come to fruition, like I said, in early November. We'll really know. And when you look at the fact that they got to go on the road and play the Rangers in Toronto back to back. And then you have teams like St. Louis and Dallas coming here who uh, are, are really good squads. And then you have another road trip after that. By the way, I think the Flyers have seven trips of three games or more this year, which is completely un- unusual, completely yeah. unusual for an Easter, for a Northeastern team. Um, so they're on the first of those seven trips now and one and one and then, you know, Nashville, but I mean, you know, New York, Toronto, Ottawa, that one's not easy. Columbus, Boston, Montreal, a little bit easier because Montreal stinks, but Columbus is a better team. They're improved. Yeah. Um, and, and Boston's always Boston. I um, mean, then as you get into December, you got, you know, one of your West coast trips, which Vegas, Arizona, Colorado, I'm mean, Colorado is without Landeskog for forever now. Um, so that maybe they're, not as strong as as you thought, and they also have a, the Devils in that trip as well. And they also have a December trip that includes Toronto, Carolina, San Jose, LA, Anaheim. I mean, that's that's a tough one. That's um, I mean, so you got you got you know there are trips coming up that are going to be difficult, and there's some good teams coming in. Carolina's coming here next uh, week and a half, um, and you got the Drew return game. You know, you know, Ottawa is going to be up for that. So there's a lot that's coming on your plate in the next six weeks that's going to really determine ultimately what this team really is. And I think that, you know, Tortorella's even said it. He says, I don't even know what my team is yet. I got to figure out who these guys are, what they are, what our identity is. And he Mm -hmm. says, and he won't really know that till December. And I think that he's smart enough to understand that it's the combination of all of these factors that will ultimately determine what this team is. And so, yeah, I mean, look, if if you're a Flyers fan, you should, be, you should be enjoying this. You should be enjoying the fact that they got off to a good start. You should be enjoying the fact that they're playing hard against good teams, that you got some young players playing really well, um, that you got connecting kind of back on track. I mean, and Provorov back on track. Like, these are all good things. They're all great starts for these guys, all positives. Let's see how they respond to the first bit of adversity. And I think that that's going to come at some point here. And when it does, that will be a much more telling response to what you have on the ice than what you're seeing right now. Yeah. I I think that what's happened here, and I I feel like I I have to say this. I put a tweet out the other day, 
and it got some people upset and there were other people who were like oh, okay makes sense you, you put a tweet out that got people i know upset? i feel Come like on, at this right? point i just i just want to enjoy <laughs> i just want to enjoy being able to be on social media without like people getting so upset about things like uh, i don't know not everybody who follows me on twitter listens to the show or vice versa right but like Resident resident garden gnome Jason Martinez checked in. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. listen. He said some things. He said some things about me on his show. All right, a lot of f bombs. He's not getting that out of me. I'm not getting. I'm not getting angry. Kind of chuckled, and I gave him 15 to 20 minutes of uh, content on his show. So you're welcome, Jason. I will. Uh, I'll take that in either beer, uh, a gift card. You let me know. Um, but the the tweet that I put out that like people like him took exception to was that. Um, I said the other day that I think that the fact that this team, given what they were, um, and, and we've talked about this a lot, I said the Flyers are 3-0 and in a season where the objective was to lose. Can't make this up. Kind of knew the Torch training camp would have them better condition than the opposition, but the young guys are really stepping up. You know, I tried to put a positive spin on it at the end. And looking back on it, probably isn't the best worded tweet. It's not that the objective was to lose. It's that the objective should have been to lose. Um, but there, there are two ways to look at this. You know, whenever you talk about a team pursuing a draft pick or potentially putting themselves into position to have a high draft pick, you look at what Connor Bedard is, right? Bedard looks like he could be the best prospect to come out in the NHL draft since McDavid. He looks like a generational talent. And when you're a team that is cap strapped, like the Flyers are not just this year, but going forward, there aren't that many ways to kind of Take the next step. James Aaron Reams' like contract comes off the board. Fine, there's seven million in cap space. But now you've also locked up like the Rasmus Ristolainen's, the Travis Sandheims of the world to big money deals. So there goes a little bit of the cap space. Unless you're going to move on from like an Ivan Provorov, you don't have a lot of ways that you can move contracts uh, in a in a meaningful way. So one of the only ways to make this thing better or to like give your fans some hope for the future is to pursue the best player in however many drafts, the guy that could be a generational talent that could like contribute from day one. And I know that there are people who say, well, look, it's, it's only a 15% chance to get the guy. And that's totally true. But you know, if you're of my mind or if you're of this thought process that like, Hey, the team isn't as good as the results were through three games, then like the best thing you could do is put yourself at least in position. Like Chicago actively is trying to tank. Arizona actively doesn't care. They have a hockey team. They're also trying to tank. The flyers probably could be somewhere in that range. Whether they end up being there or not, like we'll see. Does Tortorella raise this team ceiling so much? I don't know. But the point is, like, if you're going to go that way, uh, there there is a way to go out and, and acquire that kind of player, or at least put yourself in position for it. And when you don't field a competitive team, and again, the team was three and zero at the time, but like you look at their underlying numbers and they weren't good. The team's been outshot tw- by twenty six, I think, to this point through four games. Um, you know, they they're just they're probably not a three and O team. They're not a three and one team, right? It's just, you kind of outlined some of the reasons why. When I look at it, I go, if, if you weren't fielding a competitive team, you know what I would call a solid playoff, you know, get us into the postseason, and anything can happen. You're the thing that you always point back to, you know, you go with the, the St. Louis thing from a few years ago. I don't think they fielded that team. And I think that the reason that most pundits who cover the NHL were as down on the Flyers as they were is because everybody looked at this team and said, they don't have it. Like, they're not that kind of team. So if you're not actively putting a contending team on the ice, then I don't think you can make the case that 
the objective is to win. It doesn't mean that the objective is to fall on your face and lose. But if your objective is not to win, which I would argue it wasn't based on the team they fielded this season, then, I mean, inherently, your objective is to lose. Like, your objective is probably to to go on a fact-finding mission for a season, figure out what you have. Like, there are a whole bunch of things to this. The 280 characters on Twitter cannot handle. Um, But that, like, I wanted to clarify that because I don't expect the Flyers to tell their players, uh, go out and lose. Or, hey, guys, we're winning. Somebody go kick the puck into our own net. That's not the point. You never expect a professional athlete to do that, nor would you want to. If you had players that actively said, no, we need to lose this game, that's a big problem. That doesn't work. But as an organization, you can field a team. As a coach, you can set lineups. You can put certain guys out that if you know you have a long contract and like there's a chance, you theoretically could. I don't think that's in Tortorella's DNA. It all kind of comes back to roster construction. I just look at it and I go, if you weren't trying to win, and it is a fact-finding thing, then conceptually you probably should want to be in a position to get the generational talent. That's where I land. I don't know. Is that fair? Like, is the way I explain that fair, Ant? Yeah, the way you explain it is totally fair. Um, And, you know, you're right. You can't – you're not going to ask professional athletes to lose on purpose. You just – in any sport, it just doesn't – you know, even even when things were as bad as they were for the Sixers, let's go – if you want to go back – Right, mm-hmm. and they won what they were ten and seventy two. Is that what their record? Yeah, the worst bad. record they had yep. during during the process years. Like even those teams, they weren't intentionally losing. Those players were going out there and trying to win. They yeah. just weren't talented enough to win games in the in the NBA. So I think that the the the, the thing that you were that you're looking the way you're looking at it is if you're not talented enough to win then you're probably going to lose more often than not and not win these games early in the season. And it kind of looked like maybe that's where the Flyers were. And the one argument that I would make back for you you is, I don't know that they, that they even knew what they were. And that's, I mean, in all honesty, that's a, that's a knock on, on the general manager because I don't think there was a plan coming into the year Mm -hmm. to be good or to be bad. I don't think there was. I don't think there was anything. I think it was just kind of like, well, this is what we got. Let's see what it does, right? I mean, it's really. Like, it's like I, I went does. on Instacart. I don't think this is a thing. I went on Instacart and I just hit like random groceries. Like, get me thirty items, and it's like I have no idea what I'm gonna make. But just bring me a mystery box, like straight out of Master Chef. Bring me the mystery box. I don't know. Yeah, the lettuce might be spoiled. The cereal might be expired. Maybe I get ham and mint chocolate chip ice cream. What am I gonna do with it? I don't know. But we'll figure it out. I think yeah, you're right. We've had, we've had mixed messages from yeah. this organization this year about yeah. what they're going to be. Mm-hmm. There have been messages of we're really excited to see you know show and prove, prove people wrong and show everybody what we are. And then there's also been the message of well, we're going to have a bunch of young kids playing and we're excited about that, but it's going to you know could be a little bit of growing pain. Like there's there's been- and then in the same breath was but we look forward to proving people wrong. Yeah, I mean like in the, in the same media availability, it was it was like. Within, I don't know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes or whatever of saying one thing, you also say the other thing. Well, and then there's, of course, there's everything that happened in the offseason, right? We're going to yeah. we're gonna go out and we're going to, you know, we're going to spend the money and we're going to get this team fixed. And, you know, it's it's going to be an aggressive retool. I mean, if we want to use their actual their actual words. And it was nothing of the sort, right? I mean, yeah. like it was just complete chaos 
as to what they were going to do. So the, the only thing I can say back is, I don't know what the intention of this team was this year. So when, when you sit there and say if the intention is to lose, I, maybe, maybe it should have been. Maybe yeah. it's what we all thought it should be. But we don't know. We don't know what their intention is because yeah. there was no const- roster construction that made any sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, whatsoever. That being said, I have a hard time with people criticizing what you wrote. Like, I mean, it's not like you put anything out there that was really incendiary. Like, I, I and, you're, so. and, you're, and you're normally one of those hot take guys. And, I, you know, I'll, let's be honest. I mean, Russ is one of those guys who puts stuff out there to kind of get a lot of, you know, a lot of people fired up. And that's okay. I'll I, sound I, like a narcissist, but be honest. Like, the times that I go hot taking, how many times am I, like, flat out wrong? It doesn't happen no, but the, but this at, at a high one, clip. But this I sometimes get people really upset because I say something that I, I – I genuinely believe this is one thing I, you might be able to speak to this. When I put something out that is incendiary or is like hot takey, I believe it. I don't put it out because I want to get a thousand likes on Twitter. And in a lot of cases, the stuff that I put out that pisses people off ultimately over time proves to be correct. Now I'm not saying I'm perfect. I certainly am not. I, I said, I would rather build a team with Ben Simmons than Joel Embiid because I thought that's where the league was trending in the NBA. Okay. I will take, 100% 100% of the, the 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 blame on that one. But like, all right, go go ahead. It's just the hot takey thing to me does sound disingenuous, which isn't really the goal. But I'm not going to I'm not going to like pacify people all the time when I don't genuinely believe whatever is out there. Like whatever the thought process that's you know point, being my accepted. point is my my point is is that this wasn't a hot takey type tweet. It really wasn't. It was just kind of a generic you know, hey, we should, you know, we, we this roster should be losing, and it's not. Yeah, it's not. That's all it is. I mean, it's not like it's, it's not like you sat there and said, you know, hey guys, why aren't you losing? You suck for winning. That's mm-hmm. not what you were saying. I mean, and, and to, for it to be interpreted that way, I think it's very thin-skinned to be interpreted that way because yeah. it's almost like, what are you doing? Are you are you a cheerleader for the team? Like. That's my that's my thought on it. Like, why would you get upset by that? All you're saying is is that this is not a winning roster. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're winning is surprising because you kind of thought that this team was going to be losing in, a, in an effort to, you know, get one of the one of the top players, which they still might end up doing anyway. They very well because can. we're only four games into a season. Yep. Right. I mean, so. I mean, the, the whole notion of giving you shit for what you put out there is befuddling to me. It really is. So anyway, that's that's yeah, my I mean, thought on it. I mean, it it's not like it's it's not like you, there have been times when you've been incendiary, and this was certainly not one of them. And there have been times that you and I have gone at it about it. Yeah, there have been times you text me and be like, "Take that tweet down. You can't <laughs> say that." And it's like, all right, I mean, but I can, you know. But okay. Um, I think it's going to be fine. I think ultimately, like, the team will kind of come back down to earth. One, one of two th- I think this is where we're at. One of two things is going to happen. The team is going to come crashing down to earth like we expected them to going into the season. They're just going to be a bad team. And there are going to be a lot of people upset. One thing that you will not see from me this year is if the Flyers come back down to earth and are really bad, and I mean, like, not historically bad, but are, like, very bad, like, bottom 
five in the league. You're not going to see me shitting on the team for losing because there's no reason to. It's what I expected. If I see a lack of drive and determination in those results, though, I will call that out. And and the thing that I find kind of befuddling, is to use your word, is there are people who don't believe that you can lose and also start a good culture. And I, I, I do not believe that. John Tortorella was brought in here to fundamentally alter the culture that existed in this organization or in that locker room. You don't need to win games to hold players accountable. You don't need to win a ton of games to implement a system or to get young guys to understand what the expectation is by a very good coach at the NHL level. Now, does it help? Sure. Does it put you in a more positive frame of mind when you're trying to prove like this is why we do these things because it gets results? Sure, I'm, I'm sure it could. But over the course of one season, remember, I'm not advocating here for a five-year rebuild. I'm not advocating here for a you know a seven-year tank. I think that this year you have the best possible shot at a game changer. This is not like the Shane Wright draft. This even isn't like the Nolan Patrick and Nico Hishier draft. Like this is a guy who has been scouted since he was what in 15, 16 as being like the next generational talent. And so I think, and I think honestly, the people who were like, get so upset, you know, if I, if I tweet something like that, if we sat them down and said, would you like this player on your team? They would say, yes. Would you like Connor Bedard on your team? You'd be stupid to say no. Do I want it to come at the cost of creating a negative culture? No, I don't. Like, I don't want this whole thing to become a slime fest. I don't want this to become something where, like, the young players on the team are ruined for life. But at the same time, I could look at an Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny, and even a Travis Sanheim, and I could sit there and say, these guys have been here for some shitty years, some really bad years. Some toxic years because, you know, you and I happen to have been in those locker rooms. Uh, you happen to have heard many of the things that are said, even when we weren't allowed in those locker rooms. There were some toxic groups or toxic people that could have very easily turned these guys into irredeemable parts on a team. And look what happened. John Tortorella came in, set a standard, set the expectations, and those guys have bounced back to form. So all of this goes to say, if you believe that John Tortorella is capable of instilling the values you want in a team, he should still be able to do that even if the team doesn't get a ton of points or a ton of wins. If there's one person who you should be able to trust to usher in this new era of Flyers hockey while also doing it through potentially a rough season, it should be John Tortorella. You can't say that he does all these things and then at the same time say, well, the negative, you know, the losing is going to ruin the team. You can't have both. And a lot of people right now, I will say, are trying to have both. Mm -hmm. You can't. So all of this goes to say, whether they bottom out or the other option is they overachieve, like you said. They end up in the middle. They either make the playoffs or they don't. If we see a bunch of these young guys take a step and we believe that it is not an anomaly, I will gladly come on this show and I will eat crow. I will find a crow, hopefully not roadkill. I will literally eat crow. I will go find one, hopefully one that's prepared um, properly, but I will find a crow and I might even eat it on the show. Okay. <laughs> 
but I, I do think they're going to come back down to earth, and it's fine. I want people to enjoy the team. If you want to go nuts, you spend the money to go down and watch this team, and they win when you're in the arena, please have fun. Enjoy it. Like, you should. But don't get upset when somebody sits back and says, all right, the team's really not as good as, as they're playing right now. Don't get upset by that. You don't like it, mute it. Block it. I don't know. Don't don't let it come across your feed. If you can't handle it, then do, like just don't do it. That's where I'm at. And there's nothing wrong with with, with where you're at, Russ. Nothing at all. That, I think the, I think where you're at is exactly where everybody should be right now. Wow. But I'm serious. I mean, it's okay. it's where everybody should be. And you're right. You can't have it both ways. You can trust the coach to usher in the the right mentality that he wants for the team. Uh, usher in the right way to play the game, um, create the right vibe in the locker room, the right leadership group in that locker room, um, really kind of piece it together. And all of this can be done whether the team's winning or losing. It doesn't make a difference one way or the other. Yep. It all can happen. And yeah, sure, could it would, it, would would you prefer that they were a winning team and, you know, sooner rather than later? Of course you would. Of course you would. But really, when you look at it, look at the team. Look what's on this roster and then look at the opposition and look at the competition and say to yourself, can we really compete with this? We you, you, you can't, you really, you really can't, um, you know, in stretches. Sure. Can you hang in games? Yes. Can you be difficult to play against? Yes. Can you pull upsets because good teams decide to take you lightly and you're not a team to take lightly? Yes, all those things can happen, and you can be better than you expect it to be. Yep, great. But ultimately, is this a is this a team that's going to compete for a title? No, no. So just enjoy what you have. If you happen to lose, you happen to lose. But know that the know that the fruits of what this is of this team being built with by Tortorella will eventually grow next year or the year after and you're in a much better spot then than you are right now and that's okay so that's that's where you need to be with this team this is not let's be angry and miserable and hate the team until comcast sells it Mm -hmm. because they've run us into the ground that's not what this team is all right you can be also comcast isn't gonna sell like if you're if you're holding out hope like if you're not gonna watch this team until comcast sells you'll be dead before they sell yeah i mean it's 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 not like you're watching. It's not like, I mean, look, they didn't. I don't think the general manager had a good off season, but I think he kind he of had a fell, bad one. He had he had a bad one. Well, he like did, but he, but I think yeah. he kind of fell into an okay situation for this roster, unintentionally, completely the unintentional tank. Again, I'm not even certain it's Crazy. a tank, right? But it's in, it's. I think it's in. A, I think he unintentionally fell into a situation where he was left with no choice but let young players play and let them buy into and learn under Tortorella. And if they happen to be successful because of it, well, that's you know that's not by design. That's more by the fact that you had young, hungry players who want to learn from a coach who's who's demanding, right? I mean, in, in all honesty, that's when yeah. it becomes, and not because this is what the grand plan was all along, because it certainly was not. The thing that's crazy about it, if you look back on it, and this is this is where I just like, this is not being negative. There are times that I just sit back and I go, this is why 
I just don't get, and, and like you, you've said, there was no plan. Because when you look at it, you brought in John Tortorella, who raises your floor. But you made the case that you weren't ready to get a guy like Johnny Gaudreau who was there, who was out there and available. And to me, I find it so hard to just conceptualize, we're going to bring in this coach who raises our floor, but we're not, quote-unquote, ready to bring in this high-caliber player. And again, I've said this a bunch of times. I don't think Johnny Gaudreau would have been a good fit here. I don't think that uh, his pace from last year was sustainable in any way, shape, or form. The fans would have turned on him after like two or three years. It would have been ugly. It would have been really, really bad. I genuinely believe that. I think that there are a bunch of reasons the Flyers didn't go after him. I don't think it was just the salary cap. I don't think it was just, you know, I think there were other things that they were taking into account about the about the guy, the player, whatever. It is it is very hard to sit back and and to try to be objective about this. And I think you and I try our damnedest to do it. It is very hard to see the way that they have kind of constructed this roster, built a coaching staff, and then try to like make it seem like there was a plan when it really just genuinely doesn't feel like there was. And the thing that's even crazier about it is beyond having the first plan, they didn't seem to have contingencies in place that like, if this doesn't work, we pivot to this. It's just weird. The team is weird. You know, they've done well. And again, Let's go back to the positive. They're busting their ass every game. They're blocking a ton of shots. They're playing hard for their coach. They're playing hard in front of their goalies. Carter Hart stood on his head. Sandstrom looked pretty good last night for the barrage of shots he took, especially early. Gave up a bad goal. Whatever. There are positives to take away from the first four games. If you expect this to continue the rest of the season, you are likely going to be disappointed. If you uh, are actively rooting against the team, you are certainly disappointed now, but you might not be as disappointed soon. You will not see me actively root against the Flyers. I don't want to. It's not in my DNA. It's not in my core. I can't watch a professional sports team and say, I want you to lose. I can't. I don't want that. I don't enjoy that. Otherwise, I'm not going to watch the game. You know, like this goes back to Sixers process. I watched those games. I watched Vander Blue play, Anthony. Nobody knows who the hell Vander Blue is, but I watched him. And I didn't sit there and actively say, Vander Blue, I want you to miss every shot. I want you to lose this game. I want you to lose to the Detroit Pistons on this random-ass Tuesday night. No. Why dedicate hours of my life that are, like, meaningful in some way, shape, or form to watch a team to cheer against them? I don't do that. But at the same time, I can say from a macro perspective, it'd be nice if you lost. Listen, you don't get the results, but you try hard. The systems are being implemented. The culture has been reestablished. You know what? That's good. And I think there is a way to live in that world. It's not for everybody. I get it. Uh, And last thing, I guess, before we head out here. Um, Have you been surprised by anything in the league to this point? Is there anything going on in the NHL that you say, I did not expect this team to be performing so well or to be performing this poorly? Is there a player who stood out to you, whether it's for the Flyers or for another team? Is there anything right now that is just like on the tip of your tongue that you just need to get off your chest? As far as surprises, not really. I mean, you know, look, Stamkos has six goals already. That's pretty damn good, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, considering um, Tampa's only played four games, right? So that's a a pretty great start for them. Um, 
you know, Panarin's off to a great start for the Rangers, as, and we expected the Rangers to be a really good team. Um, I, I think that the Flyers are probably the the biggest positive surprise, at least in the East, with Tampa probably being a little bit of the surprise slow starting teams. Um, you know, they've lost three or four to start the year. One of them, of course, is the Flyers. Um, I, I'll, I guess I guess if I'm going to say that there's any kind of like real surprise, um, Minnesota not winning a game yet. I mean, I think that they're a really good team and, you know, they've been kind of blown out of the water their first three games. I think that's the, that's a little bit of a surprise. And I kind of thought Calgary was going to be, take a little bit of time to kind of gel after losing Kachuk, after losing Gaudreau. I know they brought, you know, other big names in, but I kind of felt like that was a team that was going to be still decent, but take a little bit of time to gel. They're off to a fast start. They're 3-0. and I mean, if you're looking for surprises over the first week, I think those are the ones that, that kind of stand out to me more than anything else. Um, I, I don't know if there's anything that you saw, Russ. I mean, I, you know, Dallas is a really good team this year. Um, they're, they're off to a great start as well, uh, and I think that they're a team that could be a Stanley Cup contender um, that maybe not a lot of people were talking about coming into the year, so that's that's something, I guess, but I kind of liked them coming into the season to begin with. Um, I don't know. I mean, is there any other ones that really kind of stand out to you? I don't know if this should be a surprise or not, but Boston getting out to a three-and-one start isn't something I necessarily expected, especially given the way that things seem to be trending at the end of last year and some of the question marks that were going into the past offseason. Um, again, look at it. They've they've got a, a plus-six goal differential, so it's not as if they're um, getting by by the – by the skin of their teeth through four games. Um, that one's a little bit of a surprise. Um, I kind of thought with Boston that once Bergeron decided to come back, that they kind of were looking at it as, we still think we have a team that can compete. Yeah. It might not be a team that can compete right off the bat because of the injury situations that they have. But if they could tread water until they get the other big names back in the lineup, that they'll they'll be a team that will contend come the second half of the year, and so that's why they decided to do, do you know do it the way that they're doing it. Um, so yeah, maybe that maybe being three and one is a little bit of a surprise, but I, I did think that they that they felt that there was a good enough team there. Otherwise, Bergeron wouldn't he probably would have just retired at the end of that season. So I think maybe the only other thing that's surprising to me is the inability for the Blue Jackets to score. Thus far this season, I know they lost Line a to injury a week ago. Uh, he's only played one game so far um, this season, and that probably has something to do with it. But their inability to score has been a little bit surprising, maybe. Uh, and they have the worst goal differential in the league, or at least in the Eastern Conference so far, minus eight. Uh, that puts them in the same uh, standing as the Minnesota Wild. They're not as bad as San Jose, dude. San Jose is the only team... Uh, with an, a negative differential of, of 10 or more. They're at minus 11 on the season so far. Um, I don't know. We'll you, want see. About, you want to talk about a team that's tanking? You think San Jose? Oh, yeah. It You know, yes. and, and I guess this kind of comes back to, uh, to put a nice bow on it. The people who, you know, can't root for the Flyers to lose or, or like don't, don't want to see them lose um, for, for any reason. There are really bad teams in the league. Um, the difference, I guess, between those teams and the Flyers specifically is that 
some of those teams have really signaled that that is what they intended on doing. And the Flyers, back to your point, because they didn't seem to have a semblance of a plan, they're just in this like weird in-between zone. I will say there is a chance that the hockey gods smile on the Flyers because the Flyers have had some pretty bad luck in the draft lottery before. Wouldn't it be nice to see the Flyers like have a season where they outperform expectations, but not that much. They're like the eighth worst team in hockey and they somehow win the draft lottery. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Would that take the sting out of like the James Van Riemsdyk draft and the Nolan Patrick draft? I feel like that would take a little bit of the sting out. Well, it certainly would. I mean, obviously, if you win the lottery this year of all years, like that would be the. You know, I mean, when they won, when they won the number two pick a couple of years back, and ended up drafting Nolan Patrick, but with that in that draft, and you thought, well, they got lucky and jumped all the way up to number two. Yeah, like you kind of felt like that was going to be a franchise changing draft pick, and in a lot of ways, it was just the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I feel but bad it, for the guy. We 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 feel bad for the guy. His career probably is over. He's out this entire season again. Uh, I it, it's not looking promising, right? For his um, career. But I mean, if they got, let's imagine they got that one right. Let's imagine that they did. I mean, McCarr, Pedersen, Heiskanen, like any of those other guys that got drafted after him, right? Any 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 one of those players changes the the, the course of this team. Yeah. Over the over the last five years, Elaine Vigneault really sipping martinis, baby. Probably, probably you've probably had a bunch of playoff teams. You probably don't have Kevin Hayes. That money's spent elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought Johnny Gaudreau in this past offseason. Could have could have brought in Johnny Gaudreau. Can you over the hump? Right. You'd still have thing. what? You'd have yeah, Giroux, yeah. You'd still have Giroux. You would still have, have uh, maybe Voracek at that yeah. point. Like. Maybe you're rolling three deep lines. I mean, if we start doing this though, and some of these, some of the people listening to the show are getting real sad, real fast. So let's not do that. We don't need to like. I'm just multi- saying listen, somewhere in the multiverse, we have had winning Flyers hockey for the last decade, and it's been great. Chuck Fletcher <laughs> hasn't been part of any of it. Yeah, Hextall might still be the GM if he got that pick right. If he got the funny thing is, if you think about it, if he got a few of these picks right, he probably still is here. If some of these guys had panned out to be the players that I think a lot of people hoped they would be, um, you know, maybe things work out a little bit differently. It's very hard. It it is very hard to kind of it's a it's a whole lot of ifs and buts. You know, what was the thing that they used to if ifs and buts were fruits and nuts, we'd all have a happy holiday. I'll tell you what, Ant, we've had a pretty happy start to the NHL season. Your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers are three one and zero to start the year. They've got a bit of a daunting um, schedule ahead of them. They've got some tough games. We'll be here. We'll be back next week. What? We have a five-star review. Do we? We have, we have a five-star review to read? We do. It's been, it's, it's been a while. And, you know, I, I'm going to say this really nicely to our listeners, all right? Because we, we, have our, we have our metrics. We've got our thousands of listeners every week. And then another, what, around 1,000? give or take, depending on the episode on the YouTube stream or on the uh, the YouTube views for the show. Let's say that 500 to 1,200 range, give or take, I think over the last however many episodes. We should have more five-star reviews than this. Yeah, we should. And I'm not saying, the burden does not fall on the listener, but it does because we can't give ourselves reviews. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've had one, uh, but there's one here. Are you seeing the one from Do Senate? Is that the one yes. that uh, yeah. you're looking at? Okay. Somebody left us a three-star review. And I, I can't 
I can't read it because it's not five. So to that person, Philadelphia Flyogram, you're going to have to make it five, and then I'll read it. But until then, your three-star review lives in purgatory. All right, here we go. This one is from Do Senate. Five stars, Snow the Goalie. Thank you for that's the name of the show. Although it certainly doesn't look like a promising season for the Orange and Black, there is no podcast I'd want to take this journey with more than Snow the Goalie. They know the game, and although rightly critical of the team, they avoid taking the lazy, cheap shots so easy to make. Great work, gents. Keep it up. A must-listen for Flyers fans everywhere. Do Senate. Is there a senator with the last name Do? Or Do no, in their I name? Was, I was trying to figure that one out a little bit. Maybe it's a state senator. Not in, not in PA. Maybe it's like an hey, out-of-state senator. Hey, did we ever do the, uh, the six-star review? The six-star review? I think. I don't remember doing the six star review. Yeah, unless you did it without me. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, did Channel you, did you, three, do, did you do it with Bundy? I don't know, but I, I definitely read it. 100%. Okay. It was a great review, though. Oh, Listen, yeah. if you're ever bored, you can go over to Apple Podcasting and pull up the Snow the Goalie feed, and you can uh, check out the five star reviews um, over there. Remember, five star ratings are helpful. Love it. Fantastic. But uh, the five star reviews are great. We'll read them on the show. They help us a little bit in the rankings and like the Apple Podcast algorithm. Um, you know, we'll see. Always happy to get them though. Um, and then if you're on Spotify, you can pull up the Snow the Goalie feed on Spotify, and then like underneath the image on like the channel itself, you can click there and leave a uh, uh, rating. So if you leave five stars, that'd be really cool. And do you want to take a guess of what our current rating is on Spotify? Is it if it's not five overall, then it, you know I'm I'm not happy. But do you want to guess? Four point eight. It is 4.7 based on 119 reviews, 4.7. I think we can get that to 4.8, maybe okay. even 4.9. It's a numbers game, yeah. but I'll take it. I'll take it for now. Ant. Um, listen, thanks for tuning into the show. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Ant San Philly. He's over there at Ant San Philly at Joy on Broad. Uh, our dear friend Bundy, who is off this week at Cetarian Six. You can find us uh, at Snow the Goalie Twitter at snow the goalie instagram at snow the goalie facebook.com slash snow the goalie you can find the video of this episode on the crossing broad youtube channel youtube.com slash crossing broad um it's there you got the audio you got the video anything crazy happens we'll do an emergency episode we're back on a nice weekly schedule we kind of we did bi-weekly tri-weekly a little bit over the summer good for us you know take a little, little bit of time away but we're here we're here for the fans we're here for the listeners Anthony's going to continue covering the Phillies for CrossingBroad.com. He'll be doing some flyer stuff for CrossingBroad.com. I will continue to live in sports gambling hell over on CrossingBroad.com and across a bunch of the sites on the XL Media uh, portfolio. Uh, I might. There is a chance that at some point I will write something about the Flyers in the next couple of weeks. We'll see. Maybe. Possibly. I don't know. Also, you can go over to SnowTheGoalie.com. We are not selling merchandise right now. At some point, we might. You can go over there. You're bored. You can check it out. There's like a little form thing that you can fill out. You can like leave us a question, comment, and concern there. You can also email us, snowthegoalie at gmail.com. Look, we are making interacting with us so easy. I do think that at some point soon, we're going to have to do a live show on the on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. We'll do a live show over there. We'll take questions. We'll field concerns. We'll do the whole thing. It'll be great. Sound good? Great. That's great. All of the links, by the way, that I mentioned are in the description of the episode. You can go down there. Good to go. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, you can, I, I swear, I'm not, doing the, I'm not doing the stupid thing that all these YouTube people do. 
but you, you hit the bell or whatever to subscribe to get notified, right? Subscribe to the channel. Now I am doing it, though. I'm doing the YouTube thing. Hey, everybody. Subscribe to the channel. Always helps us. And hit that little bell. You'll get a notification whenever there's a new episode. You'll also get notifications when other videos from the, the Crossing Broad channel are up. Kyle Pagan doing his man on the street videos, getting reactions after Phillies games, after Eagles games. It's all good stuff. You can get that. Crossing broadcast every Tuesday, Thursday at noon. You can check that out. Uh, whenever uh, Big Bet Bob, who's going to be on the radio in San Diego for some reason, like talking about the series, uh, Big Bet Bob, when he and Anthony do the next episode of Crossed Up, that video will go up on the channel as well. So if you want to support those shows, hit the bell, all that, get the notifications, and then you'll be ready for the next time that a, a podcast hits your feed or that uh, the video goes up on the YouTube channel. So as always, a big thank you to all of you who listen, to those of you who watch. Uh, and anything else before we go? Nope. All good, Russ. All right. So for Ant, for Bundy, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Talk to you next week.